Sometimes it feels like the sun will never rise, like the birds will never sing again. Believe That's right. When you don't know what to do, just keep on breathing. <laughs> From the City of Angels in Los Angeles, some would say the Fallen Angels, uh, <laughs> normally from the Big Apple in New York City, but my co-host Adrian Gruberg is feeling a little under the weather today, so she won't be with us. I'm Dave, the caregiver's caregiver, <clears throat> with a very sore throat, so please forgive the uh, scratchy voice. But you know what they say, the show must go on. And I'm at <clears throat> caregiverdave.com and also coming to you live and on demand 24-7 on numerous syndicated radio and podcast networks on 26 global audio and video platforms, including <clears throat> iHeartRadio, iTunes, YouTube, Spreaker, SoundCloud, Vimeo, Stitcher Radio, <clears throat> and just a whole bunch more. Maybe Lozenger will help. <laughs> In fact, we're proud to be voted Number one caregiver podcast of the top 50 on Player FM. And number two on Feedspot. And number two again on CaringVillage.com. And we have an especially exciting show planned for you today. The plus side of older dogs. How an older dog is a win-win situation. And I don't mean going to buy an older dog. I mean a rescue animal from a, from a pound. Like I've got one and... Oh. oh, look at that. That's my kind of dog. A terrier, right? Yeah. A terrier mix, mix. A little mix of everything. Rescue dog. Beautiful. What's his dog. name? Jackson. Jackson. Hi, sweetheart. <laughs> Jackson, Mississippi. Hi, Jackson. Hello. I wish I could be there to give you a big kiss. He lost a lot of teeth because they, uh, you know, small dogs have teeth problems. I had the same. Can you see my doggy? Yes. Oh, what a sweetheart girl. Yeah, I adopted her when she was 10. The you people may... who had her threw her in oh. a field left her. Oh. I'm sure they were using her for breeding. And when she was done, they threw her away. Oh, oh he's great. He's sweetheart. Dave if you're ever in, if you're ever in Beverly Hills, bring Jackson over. Really? Yeah, I'd love to. <sighs> you're in the rich neighborhood, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, Marion has one as well, um, and our guest today is Marion Zola. She's always been a writer, an animal lover. Her first writing was poetry until she began writing screenplays and sitcoms. Wow. Eventually, she wrote her first book, <clears throat> the, the, All the Good Ones Are Married, <laughs> which became a Lifetime movie. Wow, good for you. Along the way, she began producing with a vampire movie and, for the last few years, a show on shelter dogs entitled Shelter Me. Her second book is Romancing the Dog, The Struggle to Make a Pound Dog Happy in Beverly Hills. Wow, this is going to be an exciting show, <clears throat> but before we get started, I do want to thank my last week's guest, 
Beating the Burnout Blues. Melanie Mullins is a cancer survivor, former registered nurse, successful entrepreneur, and business magic consultant, and now an author. And just a reminder, all our shows become recorded podcasts on caregiverdave.com and all those networks I mentioned earlier. All right, enough of that. Marion, welcome to the Caregiver Dave Show. We're so excited to have you on. Thank you for having me, Dave. You know, uh, I know your audience have many, many caretakers, and I myself took care of a husband with Parkinson's. Oh, my. 12 years. Um, the last few being more trying for both of us. I guess so. And uh, after my last dog, I was a little reluctant to get another dog because I was afraid my husband, whose balance was not great, uh-huh. might trip over the dog. Yeah. So for quite a while, a few years, I didn't get one. And then we were up in Carmel for the summer, Carmel, California, mm-hmm. on the Central Coast. And I knew we were both reluctant to adopt at that point. But I said, why don't we just foster some dogs while we're here? Because that's a great dog-loving community. And I didn't think I'd have any trouble getting the dogs adopted. And I work with a group called Peace of Mind Dog Rescue, which is a fabulous rescue organization that takes older dogs The dogs just happen to be older because what they do is they take dogs from people who can't take care of them anymore. Either the person dies and has no one in the family to take the dog, or they're too sick to care for the dog anymore, or they're moving somewhere, maybe to a nursing home where they don't allow dogs, or they may be able to care for the dog partially, but they can't manage to walk him anymore. What peace of mind will do is they will actually send someone to walk the dog so the person can still keep their dog. Mm. Uh, Excuse me for one second, Dave. And otherwise they try to find homes for the dog. So, We've fostered a couple of their dogs, got them adopted, and then I was at that rescue place, and I saw a dog who had recently had surgery with the cone on his her head, oh. and she was still wagging her tail and playing with a toy. And I thought, this is a happy little girl. <laughs> and I thought we could use some of that happiness and cheer to cheer up my husband. So I said, you know, I think I'll take this one. (laughs) And she came home with me. Her story was she was 10 years old. Someone had thrown her in a field and left her. Oh, no. That's that cute one you showed me? Adorable. I'll, I'll show everyone what she looked like. She was beautiful. Can you see this picture? Yes. She was a beautiful girl. Was with she a, uh, groomed when you found her or was she no, all a mess? No, no, no. Uh, she wasn't a mess, 
but she had just had surgery. She had never been fixed at 10 years old. She had some teeth problems when they found her, and she had 13 tumors in her mammary glands. Oh, my. I, yes. So the shelf life. Right. The shelter said she was probably used for breathing. And when she couldn't breathe bread anymore, they threw her away and they couldn't afford all the surgery. So they called peace of mind dog rescue and they said, yes, send her over. We'll take care of the surgeries. So she's purebred, you think? I beg your pardon? She is a purebred? No, no, she's a mix. Definitely some kind of terrier mix. So, um, peace of mind took care of everything. The tumors turned out to be benign and we took her home and fostered her. And I took her everywhere for six weeks. Everybody came over to admire her, but nobody offered to adopt her. Either the people had dogs or they had cats or they had a cat and a newborn or they had a dog and a cat. Nobody could adopt her. I don't think you would have let her go, would you? <laughs> well, I, I told you at that time I was afraid to adopt a dog because of my husband's balance. Uh, but after six weeks, I said to the Carrie, the president of do the dog rescue, look, I, I just can't find her a home. And she said, I'm going to put her picture in the paper tomorrow, the local paper. Well, I knew that would get her adopted immediately because she was so adorable. And that night, my husband and I couldn't sleep. <laughs> the next morning, we woke up and he said to me, you know, why don't we think of her as an asset instead of a liability? I said, yes. So he said, let's keep her. And we did. No. And we had five and a half wonderful years she just died last week. At what age? Age 15 and a half. I see. And she was a dream, a very easy dog. I think older dogs, at least five to 10, are much better bet for older people because you don't need a 15-year commitment. And if an older person adopts a puppy, and they die 10 years later. Well, there's a 10-year-old dog who needs a home, who ends up in the shelter or at a rescue group. That's why I think adopting an older dog is better. Um, there is nothing wrong with the dogs at the shelter, except they had the wrong owner. Yeah, That's sure. the usual problem. Uh, either people who didn't have the patience to train them or somebody didn't want to be bothered, or they discovered the dogs are more work than cats. You have to take them for walks. You have to feed them. You have to take them to the vet. And some people don't want to be bothered. Hence, the dog ends up at the shelter. But the reason I got involved in co-producing the TV show Shelter Me was to show people how fantastic the dogs in the shelters are. Mm. Some of them become search and rescue dogs, and we highlight some of the unusual things they've done. In other words, the show couldn't just be about 
ordinary people adopting. It had to be something a little more interesting. So we did shows on some of the dogs that were taken by organizations that trained them for service dogs. And they were trained in the prisons by prisoners who, are, if they have good behavior, they're taught how to train a dog. Uh-huh. And those dogs are fantastically trained, and then they're given to a handicapped person. So that's one fabulous thing that happens. Some of the dogs in the shelter are particularly good to become search and rescue dogs. And that's been done. And a couple of the police departments in the United States have discovered that you don't have to spend $7,000 for a German-trained German shepherd to get a drug-sniffing or police dog. You can take a dog from the shelter and train them. And that's what they're doing in several police precincts. One of the dogs that was adopted by the police, I think it was in Massachusetts, was a small dog. And they trained him for drug-sniffing. And he could get in places that the big dogs couldn't. Wow. And he became an expert at finding drugs. But anyway, I'll give you a perfect example of why people shouldn't buy dogs. This happened five minutes ago while I was waiting to talk to you. I got an email from a friend whose son passed away, unfortunately, at a very early age. So sorry. He left. Yes, he left a dog who was about a year old. He went to what he thought was a legitimate breeder and bought what he thought was a Jack Russell puppy. Well, at one year old, the dog looks nothing like a Jack Russell. So they did a DNA test. <laughs> and it, it's, it was supposed to be half Jack Russell, half Poodle. And it turned out it had no Jack Russell. So now they wonder what happens about the $800 that he paid. Wow. And this is another example of why you shouldn't buy dogs, because a lot of unscrupulous people are in the dog breeding business. And a lot of those so-called breeders are really propagating puppy mills and people who buy dogs on the internet, particularly, instead of going to see the breeder, are buying puppy mill dogs. And people, a lot of them don't even know what a puppy mill is. And I'm going to tell your listeners now so they can avoid them. All right. Puppy mills are horrible, horrible places where 50 to several hundred dogs are being bred constantly for profit. Really? And these poor animals never get out of their cage. They're in cages, small cages, small, filthy cages, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. They do not get proper veterinary care. They have no contact with people except when they're bred or have food shoved in the cage. It, it, they're horrible places. They're not meant for the animals we know as dogs. 
Um, anytime somebody buys a dog from an unknown breeder or somebody they've only spoken to on the phone, they are nine times out of 10 puppy mill dogs. You are supporting an incredibly cruel industry. If you insist on getting a puppy, why anybody would want to go through housebreaking, I don't know. But if you insist on getting a puppy because you're young and you don't mind a 15-year commitment, um, you must go to a legitimate breeder whose facility you have gone to. And a legitimate breeder should be in love with the breed, proud of their dogs, and have no more than a few maximum. And you can get a list of legitimate breeders from either the Humane Society or uh, the American Kennel Club. So these are purebreds. It's not likely that uh, right. they're dealing with mutts, right? Right. Mutts unless, they're, mutt. unless they're lying to you and telling you it's a purebred and really is a mutt. That's what happened to my friend whose son bought what he thought was a Jackapoo. And, um, That's a hot brand right now. Hot, hot right. Speed. Of course, as you know, Dave, because you and I are both uh, guardians of mixed breeds, mixed breeds have better health. And very often the so-called breeders, the unscrupulous people, they will hide any health problems or deficiencies. And you can't get your money back. They're in the money business while rescue groups and shelters are in the rescue business. Well, well, tell me about your book and uh, its great title. Uh, what do you hope people will get out of it? Well, Romancing the Dog, The Struggle to Make a Pound Dog Happy in Beverly Hills. This was the dog. We thought he was a mutt, which was what we wanted, but he turned out to be a purebred Tibetan terrier. Oh, wow. Anyway, he was a great dog. We had him for 12 years. He was uh, between two and three when we got him. And what, what I hope they get out of it is finding out how your life can be changed for the better from a shelter dog or a rescue dog. Uh -huh. And how wonderful it is to save a life and to know you've done something which is a kindness rather than a profit-making enterprise for the other person. Sure. Dogs are so great because uh, not putting down cats because I'm not a cat lover because, you know, I'm allergic to cats. And so I, I used to dream about cats. They weren't good dreams. But dogs, you know, they're so happy to see you. Like my kids used to be happy when I got home, <laughs> you know, the little ones. And then they grow up. Now they got a, a, a telephone in their in their uh, palm and stuff like that, or the television. But the dog is so unconditional loving. And he, uh, you can be gone just uh, for the supermarket back in 10 minutes. And he acts like he hasn't seen you in, in years, you know, and that is love. That is uh, unconditional. There's nothing more loving than the unconditional love of a dog. And that's why people like them, you know. And they're good they for caregivers too. And for their caregivers, loved ones, it helps them do the job. You know, uh, that's what I was going to say, you know, caregiving and the person who's getting the care, it's, it's difficult. It's a challenge and there's a lot of depression. And here you have this little happy creature 
who makes you live in the present, who plays, you can talk the ball. And fortunately, my husband never tripped over him, her. He never did trip over her. He did. She, uh, she stayed out of his way. She, well, she actually didn't, but he managed to maneuver so that he, he didn't, uh, he didn't fall over her. And he did fall a number of times, many times, but fortunately not caused by the dog. She brought a a little bright spot into the darkest days, but the dog who I, I write the memoir about which got a, a prize for the best memoir of 2019 um, from the, the Irwin Prize from the book publicists of Southern California. It, it tells the story of a middle-aged couple who adopt a dog, didn't know what they were getting, and the adventures that we had together, which were many. Please tell people to read the reviews. On Amazon. How many do you I have? have all, How many reviews are there? Oh, many. But I have all, all five-star reviews. Wow. So that is amazing. I want to ask, how many dogs have you owned from the very first one? I don't know how old you were. Oh, uh, about four. Four. But and I you- also had cats along the way. Birds. Yeah. Um. I would, I would take a cat or a dog anytime because I, I really love animals. And I think that people who love animals should go and please give a home to a homeless animal. Yeah. The and only perhaps, thing, the only thing they ever did wrong was have the wrong owner. Yeah. And cats, uh, it's probably worse with cats. The, uh, the um, trying to get rid of a cat seems like there's more cats that are stray than dogs. Uh, is that true? Or is it just seems like it? No, it is true because a lot of cats live on their own. They're okay. feral. Can't control them. You can't control them, but um, there are wonderful cats for adoption all over. A friend of mine just adopted a cat. And she's beautiful, and she's playing all the time. She's a great cat, and they're very happy with her. Now, I know uh, a puppy is a lot of work to get him through puberty and all of that stuff. But Tremendous uh, work. a baby I, kitten is less work, isn't she? Oh, yes. Yeah. Somebody actually gave me a three-week-old kitten, that shouldn't have been weaned, but somehow it ended up on the street and I had to feed it with a little doll bottle, mm. warm milk and <clears throat> so on, keep it warm. But that's why I like a dog who's all grown up. And, you know, Dave, the shelter and rescue organizations, they make you fill out an application and so on. And they want to match the dog to you. They want to make sure you have the right dog for your situation. If you have kids, they make sure the dog is kid-friendly. If you have other pets, they make sure the dog gets along with other pets. You'll never get that from a breeder. A breeder right. just wants money. Right. But, but the, uh, the <clears throat> rescue groups want to make sure that the dog doesn't end up back 
in rescue or shelter and they try to match the person. If you say, you know, I'm, I'm a little older, I'm a little sedentary, I, I'm willing to walk the dog, but I'm not a big walker, they'll try to find a dog who doesn't need a tremendous amount of exercise. They try to match the people with the dogs. That's good. How did you become so passionate about dogs? I mean, were you like that uh, as a child or when did it happen? It happened when I was born. (laughs) (laughs) And your parents were cooperative in in helping you to uh, nurture that? Not really. I mean, (laughs) they both loved dogs and they did let me have a dog, but it wasn't done right. What do I mean? I had a dog. When I was very young, I used to walk a dog who lived across the street. The dog's name was That was, your, that was your first job, huh? walking the dog. That was my second job. <laughs> no, that was my first job. You're right. So I used to walk the dog because I loved him. And he was a brown mutt, a very simple, plain dog. But he and I had a love affair. And a, a few times I came over at a certain time, they weren't home. And the dog and I would talk to each other through the door, door. Well, they were an older couple and they were moving someplace. They couldn't take the dog. And they asked my parents, unbeknownst to me, if I would like to have the dog. And my parents said no. Oh, my. Because they thought, well, it's an older dog. The dog may die, and then she'll be heartbroken. So instead, they broke my heart when I was younger. And I never got to have him. And I I was really heartbroken. And when I found out years later, I I was furious. (laughs) But as a result, when we adopted this terrier, we named him after that dog. I am so sorry your heart was broken like that. Yes. Let that be a lesson to other parents. Don't do that. Right. Don't do that. And you've been in years of therapy ever since trying to get over that. (laughs) Yes, that's true. And you're still thinking about forgiving your parents. (laughs) Not forgiving them. Not Not forgiving them. Not for that. (laughs) Well, you've been a great guest. Um, I haven't had a, a dog lover on the show in a long time. And we met you in New York, and, uh, and we just fell in love with you, Adrian and I, when we first saw you. And so thank you so much for coming on the show. Uh, how Dave, can thank you get for a hold having- of you? Huh? How can people get a hold of you? Oh, they can go to my website, romancingthedog.com. They can email me there or at marionjzola at gmail.com. And... They can look at my books on Amazon or on my website, romancingthedog.com. And thank you very, very much for having me, Dave. Anytime. My pleasure. Anytime. I'm curious what all your friends think about you. Are you like, uh, you know how they call the the crazy cat lady? Are you the crazy dog lady? (laughs) Probably. Probably. It's a shame that not everybody is as passionate about dogs as you. The world would be a better place, I think. Thank you. I agree. Thank you. And the next time I'm in Beverly Hills, I will look you up. Please, and bring the dog. I might bring my wife, too. Okay, that's fine. Have a nice day.
You too. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Oh, let me just finish the end of the show. Um, I ended it too abruptly. And to all my listeners out there, thank you so much for tuning in each and every week and making us the number one caregiver show. And uh, just a reminder, all our podcasts become recorded shows uh, every Wednesday. Thank you for tuning in again next week. Same time, same channel. Bye-bye. Okay, I can make that work. Dave. When will you send me the link? Well, I normally send it tonight, but I'm not sure how I feel. It might take 24 hours longer. Okay. Thank you very much. Thank Uh, you. My first book was on adultery. If you ever want to do a show on adultery, I'm happy to. And it it was incredible. What kind of, what direction does the adultery book go? Well, I... I interviewed women who had affairs with married men, Uh married men who had affairs and Uh wives of men who had affairs. And it was based strictly on the interviews, which some of which are excerpted. And that book was incredibly popular. It's much easier to sell a book on adultery than a dog memoir. It is. And, uh, you know, caregivers uh, are not immune from adultery. Um, we think of Newt Gingrich when his wife was still in the hospital getting cancer treatment, you know, he was out doing God knows what. And I know uh, when my wife was, um, in a support group, uh, we met other people whose husbands left them while they were still in the hospital. It's amazing how many people think that they didn't sign up for this and, you know, they're out of here and, uh, good luck. That's terrible. Yeah. Terrible. I had the greatest husband in the world. It looks like it. I really did. I mean, well, in the old days, you know, we took our vows more seriously. I've been married 47 years so far, and she had a stroke 25 years ago, lost her speech, became paralyzed on one side. And, you know, we're, we have a new normal. We're probably more in love now than we ever have. But just a couple of years uh, was kind of rocky, but you figure out that uh, if we're still here, there must be a reason. And so you reinvent yourself. Absolutely. I'll remember that because I just lost my husband a year ago and I will never find anyone like him. But what everyone says, but you never know. Keep the door open. Okay. And and one other thing is uh, we're releasing my fourth book. It's called Secrets from the Hammock, Uncommon Wisdom for Uncommon Times. And I would encourage you and all of your friends to go to uh, Amazon before the price goes back up. It's on a special promo, 99 cents for the pre-sale version. What did you say? Secrets from the what? Secrets from the hammock. The hammock. Oh, hammock. Hammock. <laughs> okay. Okay. I'll take a look at that. All right. Our featured speaker is a best-selling author who has written numerous books and articles. He's a speaker, life coach, and host of Dave, the Caregiver's Caregiver radio program. He frequently appears on television and radio shows all across the country and has even shared the stage with Suzanne Summers at Harvard. But his most important role is caregiver to his beautiful wife, Charlene, for over 22 years. Please welcome Mr. Dave Nassani! I want to share with you a love story. In a couple of weeks, my wife and I will be celebrating 44 years of being together. My wife, Charlene, and I had a fairy tale storybook romance, courtship, and marriage for the first 21 years of our lives together. One day out of nowhere, 
My wife has a headache, the headache of her life. She suffered a massive stroke and it left her severely speech impaired and paralyzed on the right side. And in that moment, our world turned upside down. I gotta tell you, the next two years was like a living hell. I just didn't know what to do. I felt guilty most of the time. I became a caregiver. I didn't even know what a caregiver was. I was experiencing the same problems that other caregivers experienced. If you don't take care of you, I can't take care of her. Well, that's why I wrote the book. Now I can teach other caregivers. I'm living proof that you can thrive as a caregiver. My wife and I travel now all over the world sharing our story. One day life is gonna call upon you to be the captain of your boat. Heck, you might be saving your own life. Thank you. Sometimes it feels like the sun will never rise, like the birds will never sing God bless you. Bye-bye. Thank you.